You're listening to the ultimate podcast for the ultimate flag football league with your host, Steve and Diane. Join them as they go from conference to conference, giving you the hot topics, fresh updates, and behind the scenes gossip. Buckle up because it's time for some tough talk. My, oh my, it is good to be back. Back in the podcast studio, this is the Tough Talk Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Dolan, and tonight I am joined by my new co-host, Miss Diane Tanwakio. How's it going? It's going great. I'm ready for some tough this season. Yeah, yeah me too. It's it, it's it's going to be epic. This season is has brought us a bunch of new changes. Um, I want to talk a little bit about you. Uh, coming into the podcast, you obviously, uh, judging by that commercial, bullied your way in here a little bit, <laughs> uh, which I like. You know, give me some. Uh, you know, give me something to talk about. And uh, you have a lot of knowledge about Tough League. For all of you who have not heard our amazing podcast with Diane uh, a few months back, uh, Diane, go ahead and just tell everybody, you know, what you're all about, you know, where you came from with with flag football and and, uh, how you got into Tough and and, uh, yeah. So I am a flag football veteran, uh, something to the tune of six years. Uh, I've played about 65 seasons of both co-ed and women's flag football. Uh, started playing tough uh, last year when they started the tougher format and really just fell in love with what the league is about. You know, the the quality of play that is there and uh, really just wanted to get in on talking about flag football all the time. And so <laughs> this opportunity came up and I had to jump on it. And we are glad you did. I know the uh, tough community is in for some hot takes with Diane. You know, you they thought me and Danny brought the heat, but uh, or maybe they didn't. I don't know. But if you did think we brought the heat, uh, you're in for a surprise because Diane is ready to go. Uh, tough league is on the verge of major national expansion and it's only getting better it's only getting bigger and right now los angeles is in you know in the forefront right now because they started everyone else is waiting uh, a week uh, vegas is actually waiting two weeks they have a preseason coming up soon uh, but los angeles it's uh it's it's going and the first thing that I really want to bring up here, it's a word that Diane, you know, threw out at me and, and I completely agree with her. It's the invasion of a San Diego team into mid city Titan division. It's big news. The black ops. Woo. Mm. They're scary. Mid city should be afraid right now. Uh, for sure, for sure. Brandon Goffner of the dojo uh, moved up to Los Angeles, moved his residence up to Los Angeles and said, you know what? I'm going to bring my team up here. We're going to show L.A. what it's all about. And now we have the Black Ops, which is basically the dojo along with Timmy Jacobs and Juice Giles. I don't know how those two snuck their way onto that team. <laughs> uh, they're hustlers. You know, pure and pure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. They they must be to get on that squad. I, I mean, that team is tight knit. 
uh, if you know anything about the dojo and and what they represent as flag footballers. And, you know, I talked to Darius Walters a little bit uh, before the podcast. One of the main reasons, you know, they wanted to come up here and compete this season uh, was they are prepping for a national tournament, but they wanted to make sure that they got as much time in with their quarterback as they could, not to mention uh, Tough League is bringing back the SoCal Showdown. Um, last season we did without it. There was no SD versus LA, but we have the SoCal Showdown. Could we see Dojo versus, I don't know, Goblins down in San Diego and make it an all SD, uh, you know, showdown for SoCal? Well, and here's the thing. We hear so often from San Diego about how much better they are than L.A. (laughs) And I was expecting with the dojo players coming up to hear all that noise, you know, as well. But we're talking about the cream of the crop. You know, some of the best players that um, compete nationally. And so, you know, if San Diego wants to hang their hat and claim Black Ops as their own, you know, sure. But I don't know if that necessarily speaks to how much better San Diego is than L.A. Because we are talking Ooh. about the best of the best. Ooh. Ooh. You know, uh, one, of the, one of the key talking points of why SD is, is better than L.A. Or at least the proof in the pudding, as they would call it down there, is that they came up, you know, the last time that Tough League held a quote-unquote tough cup before, you know, it got pulled back and now is just Titan Cup for L.A., Titan Cup for SD, and so on and so forth is that the last time that happened, two SD teams came up to Los Angeles, beat out all the LA teams, and played against each other for the Tough Cup. And and so, I mean, yeah, that kind of shows that they were dominant in that on that day specifically. But, uh, you know, I've always been a big proponent that Los Angeles is competitive. You know, I've mm-hmm. seen a lot of heat out there. Oh, LA is barely better than St. Louis, which uh, I don't know if that's a knock on St. Louis or LA. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my opinion, but uh, I don't know. The competition in LA is real this season. I, I agree with you. They better be afraid. Black Ops is here, mm-hmm. and you know now you have a full season where this team is going to play against the best teams in Los Angeles. Uh, I don't know if they're going to come out undefeated. Well, and I'm sort of on the side where I'm afraid that as the Titan scene stands right now, you know, are they just going to run through? Yeah, L.A. Titan. And, you know, from the first week of games, it's starting to look that way. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering who's going to rise to the occasion to really sort of, you know, knock these guys off the pedestal. Well, if you're in the camp of Darius Walters, he does believe that it will. I mean, and I kind of agree with him. It will be Black Ops Dream Team for Los Angeles. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, those two teams will battle it out for the Los Angeles Titan Cup. There are some other teams to talk about here. Uh, one of them being, uh, and we can move on from from Black Ops for for now. Put a, put a pin in that. Maybe talk about them a little bit later. But one of those teams that uh, is New Look, and this happened in the off season, and I was shocked. But Hayes McEachern is no longer the quarterback of the Pegasus. What the? F- yeah, we're looking at Renee Andrade, aka Titan Champ, right now, right. helming Pegasus. It was a big shock for me, and, and uh, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of uh, pull back the curtain here for a second. Um, 
you know, due to due to a little bit of technical difficulty, we will not be doing phone interviews tonight. Um, I had a few lined up. One of them was Brandon Blunden. I wanted to talk to him. We will get him next week. Um, I'd like to talk to him about the team dynamic uh, with Renee Andrade. But you had an opportunity to witness this team uh, playing in Mid City this weekend with Renee Andrade for their first two games. What did they look like? What was mm-hmm. their attitude like? You know, mm-hmm. wh- how, how did it look? Well, and I, before I go into that, I just wanted to add a little uh, snippet of, of info that Renee had originally uh, joined or agreed to join Hooligans uh, and play for them this season. And I don't know, the opportunity came up to play for Pegasus. Mm. Um, you know, so that, that agreement with Hooligans fell apart. Um, I believe just days before the season started. And so that had ramifications for hooligans, which we uh, will touch on later. Yeah. With Renee and uh, Johnny A-Rod, Pegasus just looks like they have a different energy on the field. And so Mm. you see in the film, you know, they blew out two decent teams uh, in in Aftershock and hooligans. But uh, you could see that they were playing with swagger. And so, you know, I think that's something that having a championship caliber quarterback uh, does for you. And and no offense to Hayes, I think that he's a talented quarterback in his own right. But Renee has that pedigree uh, in that he's won a championship. Um, And Johnny, he he made clutch plays in the in the championship last season. And so adding those pieces of, of people who know how to win you know, that brought a different energy and you could see that in the way that they played and and they were just getting hype and that was that was exciting to see. On the Tough Talk podcast, we've been big proponents for the Pegasus, the pink ponies. They're always exciting to watch. Not well, I can't say always because there have been seasons where they've just gotten blown out. We contemplated them potentially moving to Spartan. Brandon Blunden's always said, No, absolutely not. We're not doing that. He wants to play against the best competition. And, you know, I can't blame him for that. And but I agree with you. Adding these two pieces in Renee and Johnny, you know, both of these two guys added to a team with Brandon Blunden and, and let's just say Tommy Cross right now, throwing him out there, two of their best players, you know, you got just in those four, you have four guys that can get it done. And and so I I, I agree with you. The team looks different. Uh, I'm excited to see what they do the rest of the season. It's not going to be as easy of a road as taking on a, uh, uh, a wandering quarterbackless hooligans or the, you know, newly Titan, I guess from last season, Aftershock. Uh, you know, it's not going to be that easy going forward. They still have other teams in their division, like the Black Lightning, who mm-hmm. got trounced <laughs> against <laughs> the Black Ops. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting. Uh, another team that came in to Mid City Titan this season is a team from Van Nuys, and you know they're not necessarily a new look team. Um, it's a lot of the same guys, but Greg Ellis and the chosen Greg Ellis is playing like a man possessed right Uh now. And they put up 92 points uh, against the outlaws and the aftershock. What did that team look like? What, what was, what was their energy on the field Uh looking like? Well, this team has too many weapons and, (laughs) you know, just off the top of my head, they have Mr. John Austin run the post eight different ways and still score. You know, they have Rashi and flashback. Uh, Vic Hines. So you can just see at first in their first game against Outlaws, uh, you know, they had a kind of a slow start. But as the trash talk started, you could see them just sort of hyping each other up and getting to a point where 
You know, it just looked too easy and it looked too fun for them. Right. Um, they've got they've got so much speed. And when that collective energy starts going up, their defense starts looking good as well. It's true. It's true. And, and that's something that was a knock on the Chosen for a long time in any of the Greg Ellis teams is that the defense wasn't necessarily there. Uh, Greg Ellis has always brought a nasty offense to the table. But again, the defense mm-hmm. has been the knock. Yeah. And so if their offense is playing better and their defense is hyped because of it, it could be. They could be a real contender for this division. Um, you know, granted, there's no Van Nuys. There's only Downey. Uh, but we'll get to Downey soon. Uh, trust me. We're, we're, it's, a, it's a little bit of a longer podcast tonight because <laughs> we're only talking Los Angeles. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll bring up some of the other uh, cities, but we're only talking Los Angeles as far as gameplay is concerned. Uh, I want to go back. We mentioned the hooligans and the, and the Black Lightning briefly. Uh, and we talked about the Black Ops at the beginning. So you have this invasion of this San Diego team who is just an, uh, a, a national-level team as far as uh, their skill is concerned. I want to talk about what that does to a team when you have to go up against a juggernaut like that. And so the Hooligans and the Black Lightning both had to play the Black Ops. Both of them got worked. Mm-hmm. Black Ops put up 44 points in both games, didn't give up more than 14 in e- either of the games. And so when when the Black Ops are scoring 88 and only giving up 27, it's it can be demoralizing for a team. Yeah. But even before the game starts, I mean – you coming from flag football, what does that do to your psyche when you know that you're going up against a team that is clearly better than you in almost every category? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the attitude that I saw, at least going into the game with hooligans, was, you know, they said to themselves, we're probably going to get worked. Let's just try to have fun. Um, and, Good approach. <laughs> you know, you could look at it that way. In terms of my experience, the approach that I would take is doing as much as you can to keep the ball out of their hands. And typically what that means is you don't go you don't try to get into a shootout right with with black ops. You try to limit their possessions. A uh, quarterback from Vice Alex Phillips, he's actually the master of this, but putting together 9-minute drives. Right. And so whether that is milking the play clock, uh you know kind of chipping away, um and hooligans actually did some of this in the first half where they almost managed to keep Black Ops to two possessions in mm-hmm. the first half. If they only have the ball twice and a half and they score in two or three plays, that still, you know, keeps you within striking distance. Yeah, yeah. Um, it did get a little out of control in the second half. Uh, <laughs> but really, that first half was sort of the model of how you should approach a team that you are outclassed by, really on paper, is as much as possible keep the ball out of their hands because you know we saw in the playoffs last season you know i'll bring up a team gauntlet Mm -hmm. you know they were you know kind of an underdog team that had a magical run in the playoffs (laughs) that's true uh and and it's rare but they you know got into a shootout with black panthers Mm -hmm. uh that was a high scoring game but that's typically not how you're going to potentially upset a team as good 
as right. black ops. And, and that's something that, you know, it, it really strikes true. You see it even crossing over into professional football, the NFL, you know, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, as much as America doesn't like those two, yeah. they are the masters at putting together these long drives. And, and with flag football, it's like you said, you know, chipping away, but making the most of the play clock, making the most of, okay, I got to get to the sticks. I have four downs to do it. Let's use all four downs. Mm-hmm. Let's use all that time up and, 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 you know, get us as close as we can so that we're not, you know, hurting to get that first down, but make it so that, you know, it lasts. And, you know, granted with a defense as skillful as the Black Ops, it's not, it's easier said than done. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, those short passes, you know, yeah, you put together long drives sometimes, but you also, if you're, if you're not careful, they're going to stop you on fourth down and then you're screwed. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really a balance playing a team like that, and and you know I'm glad to know that the hooligans were having fun and and, and keeping it close before half. But like you said, they got trounced, um, and un- it's unfortunate because uh, I'm curious to see what Black Ops does to a team like Chosen. Mm-hmm. Um, there is another team, another change that came to Mid City Titan. Dante Archie is back. Uh, with the outlaws now they got trounced by the chosen but they did beat the black lightning by four points um i don't know if that team's going to stand up skill wise to the rest of the division mm-hmm. as far as the top contenders like black ops and chosen but uh it's it's good to see him back in tough league and mm-hmm. i'm curious to see what his team will do the rest of the way mm-hmm. i want to talk about spartan though yeah in mid city we talked a ton about titan um in mid city and we will like uh, again we will get to downey <laughs> wait your turn uh but I want to talk about the Spartan division in uh, Mid-City. And I want to talk uh, – we brought up the Swordfish. We bring up the Swordfish all the time uh, on the Tough Talk podcast. And one of the big reasons for that is they are the top team in the Mid-City Spartan division for the most part. Now, uh, Jonathan Caker, you were talking about it before the podcast started. Uh, he has a new mindset. Yeah, it's true that the swordfish have been the cream of the crop in Spartan in Mid City. Uh, oh, can I stop you real yeah. quick? One second. When you said swordfish, it sparked my memory. I have just seen a graphic for Las Vegas. There's a team in Las Vegas using the swordfish franchise. Wow, that's something I thought I'd never see. <laughs> and I have to say, and I, I got to get away from this logo talk. I know, I know, <laughs> I do it too much, but. The Swordfish logo in Vegas is way cooler than the Swordfish yeah. logo in Los Angeles. I won't get too much into it. We'll get we'll get into that later maybe, but um, I'm sorry. Go ahead yeah. with, with John Caker and, and coming back in this season. Yeah, so they've been considered the cream of the crop for, for so long, and, you know, we're repeat champs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, the last few seasons not getting over the hump, you know, that's really sort of uh, prompted Caker to really think about the mindset. Um, that he's bringing into into the season. And so he already takes this the most seriously out of possibly anyone in Tough League. <laughs> but right now, you know, he's trying to get his guys to play in a more organized and, you know, communicate more with each other. But he's, he's also bringing a little bit more of a meaner side. Uh, you know, he believes that he's been too nice for too long. And, you know, they've lost games because of that. Nice guys finish last. And so, you know, Caker is is uh, really trying to get his guys angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. I don't like you now. Uh, they were a play away from from beating Bears and making it to the Spartan Championship in in L.A. And, 
you know, Kaker is just hungry right now. Mm-hmm. And and coming that close and and just you know losing by that little bit against a, a good team like the Bears, it, it can light a fire. Uh, not that Kaker needed to light a fire because we all know that he already <laughs> has that. Um, I will say, you know, I haven't never really talked bad about Jonathan Kaker and his game. Uh, the one thing I will say though, and I've noticed this in seasons past, and I'm curious to see if it ever comes back to bite him again. But when he gets frustrated. I've noticed it on the field. He will jump in and play defense. He doesn't do that very often, but he thinks he can take control of the game that way. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it. And it doesn't necessarily always work out for him. Yeah. Um, and I'm curious if that frustration boils over. If he's trying to bring a more serious side to him, to the field, will that frustration get to him? Mm-hmm. Um, we will see. Obviously, uh, it's a long season. They've only played two games. They had two great games. Uh, they are looking like uh, the team to beat in Mid-City, at least so far. Now, we have yet to see the Slayers play. Mm-hmm. Um, I Actually, yeah. So the Slayers are coming back. Um, that has been, I think, really their biggest competition for a while. Uh, the Silverbacks used to be and not so much anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Slayers, I think, with Josh Galindo and that team now, they lost a few key players, one of them being uh, Pat Morris is no longer with the Slayers. Oh, no. And, uh, but he is. Ooh. This is news. So, breaking news. Uh, You know, I talked to Pat Morris, and he told me that he's coming back to the Slayers. Whoa. Um, And sometimes you just got to go home. Um, Uh, Apparently. And so I I learned that on Sunday. Um, And so, you know, maybe the Slayers are in better position than we thought. Yeah, you know, one of the big things for the Slayers, and, and I won't get too much into them because they didn't play this weekend, and we'll, we'll know more next weekend, but I'm curious to see who they're going to have playing quarterback for them because that's been a carousel for them. Mm-hmm. Season after season, they've had different quarterbacks come in, uh, and it's uh, ever since they dropped Eddie Morales, mm-hmm. um, they've just been on the search. Uh-huh. And I'm curious to see who's going to be the guy this season. Um, they really need a guy to step in there and take control of the mm-hmm. game. Josh is a great captain, um, but he's not... Not the he's not the the signal caller. You know, uh-huh. He's not the quarterback, and so you, they need somebody. Well, as far as I know, it's going to still be Chris Wilkins. They've been practicing a lot um, over the off season, you know, on a weekly basis, and so they have been prepping majorly. And really, the knock on Chris Wilkins is, you know, despite the fact that he's got a hell of an arm and mm-hmm. a lot of flag football experience, I think in big pressure games. You know, his calmness almost veers too much to the extreme. Mm. And so, uh, you know, you can't can't ruffle his feathers. But I think sometimes in big game situations, that's why they got knocked out in the first round. You know, he really needs to kind of ratchet up his his energy and intensity level. But Mm. in terms of physical skills, Chris Wilkins uh, can be one of the top QBs. Hmm. You know, that's something that you don't see very often. Normally, you want your quarterback to have ice in his veins. You want him to be just that, you know, cool as a cucumber, you know, on the field and, and, you know, nothing gets to him. But I agree with you. Intensity can be key, especially in big games. You need to bring it. And if, if you're not hyped for the game, it can definitely bring you down. Um, I'm curious to see what they do this season. Uh, we've talked a ton about Mid-City. I want to transition. Um, you talked a little bit about the offseason and the Slayers practicing. I want to talk about the offseason and some of the changes that have been made in Tough League, um, especially in Los Angeles, and one of those being Van Eyes. Van Eyes uh, had some major, major changes this season. Uh, no Titan division. Uh, 
they have a warrior division, um, and which we all know is like uh, it's almost like it's almost like you're playing for fun. Mm-hmm. Almost, you know, the competition's not nearly as good as it was in Spartan, and we all know that Spartan's not nearly as good as Titan. And so, um, it's interesting that they're going to have this warrior division. One of the teams that's labeled in the warrior division right now is the Salamanders. They have, uh, in my opinion, smartly moved their way back into Spartan or into Spartan. Uh, they will not be in the warrior division. They'll be playing Spartan, and in the Spartan division, the biggest changes are the three titan teams that are now going to be playing in spartan you have the goonies the bombers and the chaos and chaos um is a team led by joe smith uh and i'm curious to see what they will do um i know some of their players aren't playing with them this season they've moved on to other teams because i think they want to play in titan Mm -hmm. uh but the goonies have mostly the same squad and that team in particular we all know them to be a good offensive Titan team, mm-hmm. not so much of a defensive Titan team. Uh, I'm curious to see, will they run the table in Van Nuys? I, I don't, I mean, what are your thoughts on that as a, as a Titan team playing Spartan, uh, just because they're not going to mid city to play Titan. Mm-hmm. Um, I think immediately, uh, Alex Baryun and Joe Smith become the two most talented QBs in Van Nuys Spartan. I 100%. think that's a given. Yep. Um, and I'm interested to see how the Goonies respond to being the favorites, mm-hmm. uh, you know, one of the favorites in Van Nuys. Um, and Alex Baryun is, is someone that's always sort of piqued my interest in the sense that he has so many natural gifts. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way he moves in the pocket um, is outstanding. He's got, he's got a good arm. You know, he, he knows how to utilize the players that he has. And yet he's never quite, you know, he and the Goonies have never quite made themselves true contenders in, in Titan. And so, you know, it's, it's exciting to think about the idea that uh, kind of playing in Spartan and building up that confidence could eventually, you know, catapult them into a better mindset, a better position when they return to Titan. Interesting. Interesting. I've, I've always been a proponent of using if you're going to play Titan using Spartan as a training ground. Um, you know we've seen teams do it in the past. Uh, the Bombers last time they moved down to Spartan they won the Spartan Cup. Uh, it was a different Spartan division uh, back then. Now you did say uh, Alex Baryun and Joe Smith, two of the top quarterbacks, pretty much in Van Nuys, the two top. Are they the two top Spartan quarterbacks? Tough wide. Yeah. Oh. You know, you could make the argument for for Caker, obviously. Uh, you know, I think Tristan Fontaine would have something to say about that. <laughs> yeah, I think um, so. But I still think that having that Titan level experience um, is going to give him a leg up, and I don't think that that's controversial to say. No, not um, at all. But you know, immediately they should be expected to be running the table in Van Nuys. I, I think so too. And we'll know more after next weekend. Um, I don't want to spend too much time on Van Nuys. I will say one last thing. I'm going to go back to the logos again one more time. Uh, the Dark Knights have arrived in tough and it's straight up Batman. <laughs> it's, it's straight up Batman. I mean, I didn't ever think that tough would approve a logo like that. I think it's badass. I think it's cool. Um, but we'll move on from that. I won't, I won't stick on that. Let's go on to Downey. Um, I want to talk about Downey and then I want to talk about some of the teams after week one that are in trouble. Mm -hmm. And we'll get into that and and talk a little bit about that. But let's talk Downey. 
Let's talk some of the changes in Downey that we've seen. First and foremost, the Dream Team is back. Uh, that's big, big news. They played with, uh, if I'm not mistaken, from my sources on the ground, they played with six guys this weekend. They beat both the top contending Raptors and the uh, newly tightened Black Panthers. Actually, you know what? Before we get into all of Downey, let's jump into who's in trouble right now. Uh-huh. I knew you were trouble when you walked in. I want to start with the Black Panthers. Yeah. They're 0-2. They made the jump. They played arguably the two best teams in Downey mm-hmm. and in the Raptors and the Dream Team. Now, granted, they lost big to the Raptors by 32 points, and they lost by only four to a six-man Dream Team who had played you know, a, a game against the Raptors previously. Are the Black Panthers in trouble? And is Sean Alexander as the quarterback in over his head here? No, I actually think that the two games that they played, uh, you know, they're always going to be rough. Um, you know, we have taken a look at teams that have moved up before, um, and the first week is always going to be a struggle. But, you know, the main takeaway that I had this week, um, and that was really kind of exemplified by the game they had against the Raptors, is in terms of the difference between Spartan and Titan, it's not so much the caliber of athlete, but it's more of you know, the level of strategy, you know, you have to be more cerebral, you have to have honed, you know, your your game situation awareness. Um, and I think that that's something that the Raptors who, you know, no offense to any of them, you know, they're not really those A1 athletes. They're all above average, uh, great football players, flag football players specifically. Right. Um, and I think against the Black Panthers, who if you watched film on them last season, they were running at a different speed than anyone else in in Spartan, they got trounced because they met a team that understood how to play flag football and in tough specifically better than them. Right. Um, And I think that's something that you can learn. You know, one of the big moves that happened in the offseason is uh, Miles Johnson um, is on the Black Panthers now. And someone like that is is critically important to help with that transition because he understands how good you need to be to be a competitive Titan team. And so he's going to help with that transition. I, I agree 100%. You know, having a player like that come over from, you know, uh, season's worth of experience and, you know, playing on a team like the Ducks, playing with a guy like Joey De La Torre, who is a very intuitive quarterback and, and knows the game uh, better than most um you know he brings a level of knowledge to this team that they could really use in making that jump you said it before the raptors aren't necessarily the most athletic team out on the field uh however the black panthers arguably are one of the most athletic teams on the field and if they can hone in on the cohesiveness that is needed and the strategy uh, as you were saying i think that they can be one of the top contenders in in tough league uh but it is going to take some time i think in the titan getting your butt kicked a few times Uh is going to help i think um we'll see what they do the rest of the season Uh, another team that could potentially be in trouble uh from the uh, not from Downey, but going back to Mid-City, a team that could be in trouble is uh, the 0-2 Hooligans. Uh, we yeah. talked about them earlier. They played the Pegasus, the new-look Pegasus, and they played the Black Ops, two of the best teams over there. Are the Hooligans in trouble? 
I am starting to afraid that they might be in trouble. You know, they came in, they tried to start a brand new quarterback who had never played in tough league. And you can get away with that in Spartan, but you absolutely cannot do that in Titan and expect to be competitive. Um, And so they had, I believe they had a few free agents placed on the team. And I think Renee leaving them for for Pegasus um, really just sort of, you know, put them into emergency mode. Um, And it showed. And so they got outclassed by Pegasus. You know, they got whooped on by um, Black Ops. Um, And so they're really going to have to take a look at their roster and figure out how to add to it. And so they were missing, for example, Matt Cephalou, who is, you know, one of their main safeties. And so that helps bolster their defense when he comes back. And Cody Loera is a solid, tough Titan QB, you know, but they really made the jump last season when they added Philly. And so, of course, yeah. uh, And so they have to figure out, you know, do they need to add more pieces in order to keep themselves competitive because right now they're running you know really skinny and they're gonna they're gonna get run over you know despite all of the talented players that they have you know it's not looking great right now i'm gonna agree with you uh and and i hate to just be agreeing and agreeing and agreeing after all that uh back and forth we had on our uh on our little quip commercial there but uh the hooligans i i don't think that they're in a position right now um like you said billy uh for all of you who don't know billy hudson is his name he is one of the top quarterbacks in southern california not my favorite quarterback completely i mean lately in los angeles SD, he is my favorite quarterback, but there is one other quarterback we'll talk about later. <laughs> that is my favorite. Um, but Billy Hudson, I've said for a while, is the best quarterback, in my opinion, in Los Angeles slash San Diego. Um, I know a lot of people will say Brandon Goffner is that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's Billy, in my opinion. But, you know, agree to disagree with some people there. Uh, but losing him this season and not having a quarterback to step in, uh, that's tough. I, I, I think the hooligans are definitely in trouble. Uh, they're going to need to make some major changes if they want to contend at all. The other team, Zach Anastasi, the Black Lightning, are they in trouble? I think that they should be concerned about losing the game to Outlaws. Um, you know, with less than a minute left, they have a lead and they make a stop on four downs. And that should seal the game for you. And so with less than a minute left, they have the ball first um, and goal and they can't convert and you know a number of incompletions gave uh outlaws an opportunity uh to come back and you know if you're going to be a contender in this league you need to win those 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 close games and right. you need to be able to say i got this when you have the ball first and goal with less than a minute left um definitely and so um one of the problems that black lightning has had is you know They've always been loaded with athletes, mm-hmm. um, but it, they've never been consistent enough. People have never been coming consistently enough to build uh, the type of defense that you need um, to be contenders and tough. Um, Much like the Goonies. I mean, yeah. they're, they're, they're very they're very uh, similar in their style of play as far as offensive versus defensive football. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll have to see how Anastasi responds to um, reportedly not having Dave Gibson this season. Uh, you know, Dave Gibson might be the fastest man alive. Uh, you know, he really <laughs> unconfirmed, was, <laughs> unconfirmed. He really was a cheat code for Zach Anastasi last season on offense um, because no one could run with him um, on anything deep. Right now, I'm hearing rumors uh, that Black Lightning may have added uh, Maury Croson 
uh, from the Fanatics, uh, along with Dave Valencia. And I heard that uh, over the offseason, but I didn't see them um, in this first week. And so, you know, who knows? Maybe uh, they'll be there next week. But, you know, if you're going to replace Dave Gibson with anybody, Maureen Croson's as good as anyone right. that you could get. And so they may not be in trouble if they um, have that A1 athlete coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, you know, should be worried about losing a game that they should have had um, right. in their hands this week. Yeah, if you can't, can, if you if you can't get one completion to run out the game clock, uh, that's a problem, uh, big time. And especially against a team that's coming in uh, after some major time off uh, in tough and in, in you know in the outlaws, you can't get it done against a team like that. You know, your first week back and and being a veteran squad that you are, there's issues there. Um, so hopefully they can get those figured out. Uh, I'd like to see them get it figured out. I've always you know. Uh, I don't know if I've been a fan of Black Lightning, um, but Zach Anastasi is a good quarterback. He's got a good team around him, and if they do get those two guys, uh, Croson and Valencia, uh, from the Fanatics, I think that they can definitely be uh, at least contending uh, mm-hmm. at the very least. But uh, definitely in trouble. Uh, I think both Hooligans and Black Lightning uh, are in trouble. But I want to go back now and uh, get dive back into Downey yeah. um, and get through some of these other uh, key updates from that division. And then uh, I want to give some updates on the rest of the uh, of Tough League in general, Tough League Vegas, Tough League San Diego, Tough League Phoenix. I want to talk a little bit about those before we close out the podcast tonight. But let's go into Downey. Let's talk about uh, the Bears. We brought up Tristan Fontaine's name. He's back. And the Bears put up 110 points. Yeah. What? <laughs> I mean, I know how you do it, but how do you do that? I mean, it's that's just it's it's offensive fury to no other level, and you only give up 40 points. Mm-hmm. I mean, this team is is looking as good as ever. Um, they got back Tristan. They lost Joey De La Torre. D- Spoiler alert, he's bringing back the Ducks. I have heard, you know, some people say that that's possibly the best team out there right now, um, which is crazy because you got Black Ops and Dream Team, but the Ducks could be a real contender. But Tristan Fontaine, he's using his weapons to his fullest advantage, and this team is, I think, primed, especially with Black Panthers gone out of this division, this team's primed to win Downey Spartan. Mm -hmm. And I don't see uh, who in Downey Spartan will challenge them at this point. You know, I think that Tristan Fontaine is playing with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, uh, you know, with how well the the Bears did uh, last season with Joey. And he really came out with a bang. And so, uh, you know, on social media, he is determined to make himself my favorite quarterback. I saw that. I did see that. (laughs) And so, you know, it's a good start. But I am interested to see who else is going to step up or you know are the bears going to run the table right real quick low-key is jake purdy really your favorite quarterback i know there's got to be another guy out there ah man (laughs) i'm gonna hold your feet to the fire on this one who is it i really think it might be jake purdy you know i actually go back uh years with him and he is a legend in flag football, you know, from personal experience. And, you know, I'm really excited that he's coming back to really rejuvenate the league and the discussion about who the best quarterbacks are yeah. uh, in tough league. 
I agree. Um, I <laughs> it's funny. Um, the the technical difficulties that we're having. I did have Jake Purdy lined up for uh, a phone call tonight, but we will we will get back in touch with him next week. Uh, I'm I'm hoping to get him back on the phone. But uh, let's let's keep going. Some of the changes in Downey. The Renegades are back playing this season with them. The Honey Badgers are back. Brigade is back. Brigade's looking pretty good. They did lose to the Honey Badgers in the first game uh, by just two points, but the Brigade came back and. They beat a team, a brand new team, and I honestly one of my favorite team names in the Mud Dogs. And uh, the Mud Dogs are a team uh, led by a man named Alex Vargas. It is the team that Danny Bascom left the podcast to go play with. And the Mud Dogs did lose their first game. They did make uh, they did make some plays. Uh, they did have a, at least a good first game. They got their feet wet by only having one game on the schedule. Uh, I want to ask you this. You don't see this too often where a team doesn't get a bye week, mm-hmm. especially in the way that tough formats there are seasons. Normally it's five weeks. You get a bye week in between. You play two games a weekend. The Mud Dogs are one of the rare teams that have one game in the first week, one game in the last week, and then two games, two games, two games. So no bye week. Does that make a difference as a player? Does that change anything? I mean, it's not the NFL where you're playing 16-week seasons. Would you rather play like that where you're playing every weekend? Or would you rather have the one bye week? Well, I will say that it's especially advantageous for new teams to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll, I'm thinking of the Pirates uh, in Tough Her last season. They they ran in the same format. And the format, the typical format for Tough is so unforgiving in the sense if you're always playing double headers, if you have a bad week, you know, you, you're taking two L's. For a new team, I think coming in and playing one game um, and really being able to stay in a rhythm playing on a weekly basis, I think that benefits them. But especially in the first week, if you only have one game, that's that's a big advantage in my book. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it, it helps, like I said, get your feet wet. And I think the Mud Dogs could be in a position to at least be one of the top three, maybe top four teams in Downey. We will see what that brings and, and uh, we'll we'll keep checking in with Danny. Maybe we'll bring him on as a special guest, uh-huh. you know, later in the season. We'll see how the Mud Dogs are doing. If they're, if they're in prime contention, maybe we'll bring him on. Let's transition out of this. Um, I want to, I want to talk, we've talked a lot about Los Angeles. We've taught, talked a lot about the teams, the new teams coming in, you know, some of the changes and some of the blowouts and some of the uh, surprises. I want to talk about the state of tough nationwide. St. Louis did not play this season because of the frigid temperatures and the snow and the sleet and all that craziness over there in the uh, St. Louis area for the winter season. But we still have Phoenix. Thunder is the reigning champs in Phoenix currently, and they are looking to regain their position as uh, tough champions for Phoenix. Um, we've heard that there may be a uh, not only a SoCal showdown uh, this year, not just this season, but this year. We also heard that there may be a desert showdown between Vegas and Phoenix, um, which would be very interesting because that's much further of a drive than yeah. uh, San Diego to Los Angeles. Uh, they're in a position, I think, where they have some real competition with the Owls and the Uprising. One of the Uprising's players is Brian Riley. I always love Jersey Talk. You know, I maintain that probably my favorite jersey that I've ever seen might have to be uh, the one season we got of the Pericos down in San Diego with their super colorful rainbow parrot jerseys. Those were pretty badass. How's that Knights jersey looking? 
Well, uh, you know, you, you all have seen it um, around the league. More and more teams are, are picking up on the metallic numbers, mm-hmm. and I am a big fan of those. Um, I think that... Are you watching game film? Because watching <laughs> game film, it is tough to see those metallic numbers true. glaring out in the sun. But okay, go on. <laughs> but in person, yes. they look, you know, just a level above yeah, the other jerseys. Interesting, interesting. I, I'm curious to see if if you're going to start to see that more and more and more and more throughout the 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 league. And I think one of the rare things you don't see very often is uh, reversible jerseys. And for all of you who do not know, that is an option. So make sure when you are signing up and talking to your uh, conference managers that you bring that up because if you want you know home and away colors, but you don't want to pay for two sets of jerseys, it is a little bit more expensive if I'm not mistaken. But it's good to have. Um, those alternate jerseys and just making them reversible. Vegas is coming. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we'll talk more about each of these other cities in upcoming podcasts. We are going to be dedicating a podcast per city uh, once they start. And so Vegas is coming. Uh, the Phantoms are coming. Jake Purdy is coming. And I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> well, and from what I'm hearing, that the excitement level from the players in Vegas, it's, real. Um, it, it's off the charts, and so you know Phoenix, Phoenix is exciting to come back, and so I think the Desert Showdown could potentially be the more exciting of the two games between SoCal and Desert. Yeah, interesting, interesting. That's that's really interesting because I, I mean, of course, LA versus SD has always been a hot, hot topic, but could I, I'm curious to see if we get the same type of rivalry mm-hmm. forming out in the desert. One city we really haven't talked about all that much, except maybe at the beginning of the podcast, is San Diego. Um, we talked about them early on, uh, just you know what where their mindset at is at. The Goblins are coming back, I think, more so because the allure of getting to play versus the Los Angeles champion. If they do win, we'll have more information about uh, some of the teams in San Diego as we get closer and closer to game time for them. Uh, they are bringing in a new squad that I have heard uh, could turn the Titan division on its head. And I won't say who told me that because uh, they say that the Goblins might get mad at them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we'll talk more about that when we have more information and when we really get to see these teams play. It's true that San Diego does bring a level of talent that most cities don't bring. Yeah, um, They don't have a lot of teams. Uh, that's good, hopefully changing soon. Um, they are bringing in some new talent there and hopefully expanding that division uh, in that city soon. But I'm curious to know if you agree with me. I mean, or agree with me and with them is the level of talent there. I mean, I can't say is it level truly better, but I mean, they most of their teams are high level. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's yeah, there's not very many teams, but they have a lot of very athletic, very smart flag football mm-hmm. players. I mean, do you agree that it's a level above maybe the rest of the cities out there? Well, and I hate to agree with them just because when <laughs> they talk trash, it's a little obnoxious. It is. Um, but when it's, it's when it's come time to put up or shut up, they've performed. And, um, you know, you can't take that away from them. Um, and there is some, you know, they're, they are really about quality over quantity at this point. And there's something to be said about iron sharpens iron. And yeah. so, you know, um, when you're playing against the same teams um, more often, um, I think that can bring all of them up, you know, as a whole. And so 
Absolutely. Well, the headline for this podcast is most definitely going to be uh, Diane Tanwakio says San Diego's obnoxious. <laughs> 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 no, no. Um, but in all reality, I can't wait for San Diego. Can't wait for Vegas. Can't wait for Phoenix. Los Angeles has been hot to start. Van Nuys has not gotten into the mix yet, but they will. Diane, I cannot wait for the rest of the season and podcasting with you is going to be epic. I think you bring a a fresh new perspective to the podcast. Uh, I'm excited to have you here with me. Yeah, I'm ready to go. All right. Well, we will close it out tonight with that. It has been a long one tonight. I am uh, looking forward to the rest of the season for this edition of the Tough Talk podcast. I am your host, Stephen Dolan, joined by my note new oh man i cannot talk tonight my new co-host diane tanwakio we will be back next week catch you guys